You're listening to The Drew Marshall Show, Canada's most listened to spiritual talk back program. I've got to keep moving, I've got to keep moving. Blue's falling down like hail, blue's falling down like hail. Well, from the Fan 590 to 102.1, The Edge, to Much Music and City TV Toronto. It looks like George Strombolopoulos has finally found his home. George is CBC's attempt to attract a younger demographic. Although, I, I think he's probably sick of that label. But the reality is, uh, they are getting some different people, rather than the ones who are sort of busy sipping sherry whilst listening to Tchaikovsky's 1812 Overture, contemplating their next chess move, waiting for David Suzuki newsletter to arrive at the front door. CBC has done it right this time, folks, and they've brought this man into the show, George Strombolopoulos. Good to have you, man. Hey, it's good to be on your show, Drew. How are you? Do I know how to suck up to a guest or what? <laughs> well, you started by saying that. We were CBC's attempt to get a younger audience, which is like, all right, there you go. Yeah, you've never heard that before. No, but we're not actually, but that's okay, we don't need to talk about that. No, we do it's, not it's, need... It's not unlike your show, man, it's getting a different audience, you know? Just a different uh, a different vibe, a different feel. Totally. Yeah. Awesome. First thing we got to talk about right off the bat there... How awesome your Huntley Street performance was? <laughs> okay. We, I know, I'm sorry, we won't go there. <laughs> can we Can we not... Uh, <laughs> oh, man. I've got a co-host with me today, Melinda. Well, and, hi, George. Hi, Melinda. And uh, Melinda, because she's a big fan of... A big I, fan of you, George. That's I, what it is. You're very kind of yeah. Uh, the first thing we got to talk about <laughs> is uh, Robert Johnson. Mm-hmm. Oh, you just were playing some of the classic Robert Johnson right there. And the Stones, and I'm not talking about the Rolling Stones, but the 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 ones from the cemetery. Yeah. Oh, the the, the Stones from his pathway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of, uh, of of obviously of music and certainly of Delta Blues. And uh, a couple of summers ago, I try to do it as often as I can. I ride my motorcycle from uh, Toronto to L.A. or back and forth, and uh, I'm actually down in L.A. right now, and I'm working on a path to bring me home. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, this time will be a plane, but I'm setting up the path, uh, which will take me to the deep south. And I'm a big fan of Robert Johnson, and just for good kitsch, for fun. I mean, I was born on the same day that he died, uh, although many years later, obviously. So I, I just I rode my motorcycle from L.A. to um, uh, Clarksdale, Mississippi, and into Quito, Mississippi, because Robert has three graves, right? They yeah. don't know where he's buried. They're not quite sure. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, two of the graves are possible. One is just a you know ridiculous record company attempt at getting some sort of you know credit. And so, but what I did was because I'm a big fan of Robert Johnson, and I heard him sing uh, many years in my life about how he had stones in his pathway and his road seems dark at night. I just wanted to collect the pa- stones from the pathway of three of his known graves. And I just have them on a little cup on top of my piano in my uh, in my living room. And so when I play Very piano, cool. I'm always playing with Robert. Very cool. Very cool. Folks, we are on the phone with Dr. George Mark Paul Strombolopoulos. Doctor, how ridiculous <laughs> is that? Buddy, that was sweet, huh? Yeah, it's nice. But, I mean, I didn't do the work. <laughs> University of Calgary. They must be pretty bored out there these yeah, no days. No kidding. When they called me, I was like, really? Do you guys even know what I do? Like, are you sure? I am the doctor of anything. And whatever it is, you can't talk about it in your university. No, no, that's right. But not bad for a 35-year-old from Malton, Ontario, who used to go with Uncle Paul to the Carlton Cinema and dream of one day becoming Canada's next great sandwich maker. That's why I didn't dream about it. That was my fate, my friend. I was working at Mr. <laughs> Submarine or Subway. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you dream of being a sandwich maker. Oh, yes, you, you do. And say, that's the $5 an hour I need to get through school. Oh, that's it, man. Yeah, I could just imagine home. Homer doing that, right? Uh, and totally. Why not, man? Well, he took the extra job in the Quickie Mart when Nathan wanted a pony. <laughs> right. So it happens, right? <laughs> oh man, uh, this hour has 22 minutes through uh, through some barbs uh, saying this is uh, the CBC trying to be young and hip is like uh, an old lady wearing a thong. It's yeah, embarrassing for everyone. 
I guess First it'd be. Some ladies look great in a song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering which would be more embarrassing, that or dressing up like a green lizard for high voltage. Well, listen, I, I was. That's nuts. Dude, 1993, I was a green lizard at a radio station in Kelowna. Um, because here's the thing: when you have an internship, as you know, I don't know what it's like in uh, in O Town where you are, man. But you know, and I don't know what spiritual radio is like. But in, in <laughs> private radio, you don't get paid. So, I mean, especially in the beginning, I, I had nothing. So I was um. I had borrowed my mom's car, who apparently calls your show, and uh, I was uh, I was out in Kelowna, and I needed a job. And so the radio station I was at said, you know, we'll pay ten bucks an hour to wear the mascot. And I was the only schlep who was stupid enough to put that mascot <laughs> costume on in the heat. And uh, but I did it, man, because that bought me Big Macs for the entire oh, summer. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you, back in the day when my life was a little different, getting drunk in a lizard costume at three in the morning was a blast. That's wild. He just goes marauding around the streets, seeing who you can terrorize. It was <laughs> yeah. fun. Oh, man. Hey, George, what was the hardest thing to sort of process during your transition from the Mecca of Much to the Mecca of Mansbridge? Uh, you know, the, the, the hardest thing was uh, I, I didn't – because I grew up in Toronto, right? So I, I have a lot of respect for CBC. But aside from hockey and uh, and and you mentioned David Suzuki, you know, the nature of things, and Peter Mansbridge, I, I didn't really watch a lot of, you know, <laughs> of that stuff. We did, my, When I was a kid growing up, my mother had a TV in the closet of her bedroom. We could only watch TV Friday nights and – if I was lucky, in you know, a one period of the hockey game on Saturday, so there wasn't, you know, there wasn't a lot of TV. So I just didn't really, I wasn't part of the mindset to work there. I didn't realize how much the outside media hates CBC, <laughs> and how it's like because you know the Canadian way. The Canadian way is yeah. so unsupportive, yeah. so just completely smug about things. And I'm like, all right, fine. Um, and I went there, and I couldn't believe how many people would just hate the fact. I mean, it, some hated me because it's me, and I'm okay with that because I probably deserve that, but. The ones who had just no time for this one particular network, and I thought, really, really? I, I, I wasn't yeah. prepared for that. I mean, you quickly get over it, but in the very beginning, you go, "Oh my God, man, working at CBC, this is work." You but know? but did, did uh, your girlfriend Jasmine get you the job? I think well, the girl dated. I was dating. She, um, I think she told one of the producers they were looking for a host. And she said, you should look at me. They had offered me a job before. Now, you had an inside track, mm. didn't you? Well, yeah. No, what, I, when I was, what they were looking for right, was a guy who could host a show, and there weren't a lot of hosts. They had offered me a show once before, and I wasn't interested in working there. I'm sure Jazz played a part in it, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I, when they called me, too, I said, I said the same thing, which is, do you know what I do? Are you sure you even want me on your network? Because I'm not really the CBC type. But, that, but you know what? I'll admit, that was my failing. I, I had a preconceived notion of what it was to be on the air at CBC, and, I, you know, and so I was unwilling to open up. And then when I got there, I realized, man, there's a lot of great people here, and it's not the CBC that, you know, a lot of the critics talk about. Yeah. But, George, can you honestly tell me that there was absolutely zero tension around CBC when you became the host of The One Making a Music Star? Tension? Yeah. Well, I think there was two groups of people, right? There was a group of people inside who were extremely happy at the fact that, that one of their guys actually got on a show like this. Um, and uh, and then there was another group of people who just and again that's the Canadian thing right a lot of people who just hate the fact that a Canadian gets a job in America yeah it's kind of like that tall poppy syndrome left oh, over from, totally left over it. from the Brits yeah totally man but you know what I get it like I I, I mean I, I get why you know it, you know they look at this me and especially because I have the sort of swagger that I do where I don't really care about you know I don't really care what most people think you know I, it's just like whatever you know I mean I'm, I I heard you say this on Huntley and it's true I mean I'm, I'm as insecure as anybody is. And so you want to be liked on a certain level, but I'm not willing to put the work in yeah. to, 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 a, to change the way they feel. <laughs> and I looked at this show and went, you know what? One of the main reasons I took the one, and this was for the CBC, was when because I'm not a real big fan of most of the uh, of the of the entertainment. I mean, most of the the press anyway, the, the written press. It's not really my thing. Mm. Um, and when CBC announced that they were doing this reality show, this American show, 
everybody went crazy, right? Oh, my God, how can CBC do this, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, you know what, all right, screw you guys. I'm going to take the job. <laughs> not only not only do you hate the fact that CBC is running the show, but one of their guys is going to take the that's, job. That's so unlike you. No, totally. And I laughed because when the one was canceled, right, CBC replaced the one with a British show, and no one said boo. Really? Yeah, they, I mean, they, they only complain when it's an American show. So I just kind of went, all right, let's have some fun with this. Summer singing contest, simulcast on the CBC. Uh, now, you were out touring North America on your bike for probably one of your many BMW girlfriends, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, I have four girlfriends, uh, four different motorcycles. Yeah. Um, I like to think of the city of Toronto as my real girlfriend. But, um, <laughs> oh, you're good. I love that city. But my, but my mistresses are my motorcycles, and so um, I had the one BMW that I took for a long ride. I right. went out to... I rode to Joliet, Illinois, in the pouring rain because I wanted to stand out front of the big, you know, rusty brown prison doors at the Joliet Correctional Facility because one of the, my favorite movies was the Blues Brothers, and uh, and that's the in the opening scene when Jake Blues gets released from prison and Elwood Dan Aykroyd meets him. He meets him in front of those doors. Yep. So on my way to L.A., I just wanted to go and take a picture in front of those doors. <laughs> nice. I recently, uh, this shows you what kind of a life I have, uh, took a picture of myself by uh, John Belushi's gravestone on Martha's Vineyard. Amazing. I'm, I'm right across the street from where he died. Oh, are you really? <laughs> yeah, I'm right across the street. Dude, that's, 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 not, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's John Belushi. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah, it was interesting. My wife thought it was nuts, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, is that any different than any other day? No, that's exactly <laughs> where all. I was going on that. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Hey, were you offered Canadian Idol? Um, you know, not really. I mean, I, I, I was talked. They had talked to me about working on the show in a couple of ways, and I very quickly sort of said that I'm the wrong guy for this. I actually, what I did was I gave them. Uh, I was in, so they were asking me about what I'd want to do because the producers of the show were great. I love the guys at CTV and the girls there. So um, we were talking about it, but I very quickly said, "No, you shouldn't hire me. You should hire this guy." I told them they should hire Rick Campanelli. Oh yeah, he would have been, been great. But then I got in trouble at Much Music when they found out. Oh nice, yeah. <laughs> but I was pitching Rick, but I was mad at them for getting mad at me because I'm like, I'm just trying to take care of my boy. What are you talking? <laughs> yeah, about? you're spreading the love, man. Yeah, you know, the Canadian Idol never would have been right for me. That's not my bit, right? No. Um, the one was it was closer to what I do because the one was wasn't a talent contest. It was you take actual musicians who are kids and you you give them the A and R training like you would in in the real world, right? Mm-hmm. They added a whole bunch of reality to it that that wasn't what I wasn't part of my job, but it was closer to what I what I do yeah. um, than Idol. And the, the truth is, man, if I knew that if I did Idol, um, I would still be doing Idol. Yeah, because you, you do it every year, and I'm You're like, locked I don't in. Need that no, mm-hmm. no, exactly. Mm-hmm. What happened to the Strombo Show on RB? I moved it to another network. Okay, I'm on every uh, every uh, Sunday on uh, Chorus Radio, so it's a rock show. I play music, right? I play music and talk. Um, and it's a, it's three hours, not two hours. It's, right. Instead of being on a two cities, it's on at five. And it's um yeah. So I mean, I'm flying. I'm taking a red eye home tonight from L.A. So I can do the show tomorrow. Nice. Uh, Joe Andrews must be happy then that you're still in radio. Joe Melissic, Joe Andrews. Yeah, he was my radio teacher. He was in Orangeville for a long time. I know. That's where I first met him. Is it DC 103? Uh, yeah. That when it, when 103 first came out, it had classic rock format, and then I went away somewhere, came back, and it was all. <laughs> That's and awesome. I just, you know, it was a different thing for me. So yeah, totally. I think my, one of my news uh, teachers in, in Humber College, Robert Holiday, was also on that station. Right. Yeah, they used to do a weekend morning show. Uh, George, on your show, The Hour on CBC, how much say do you have in content or guest selection? As much as I want. Really? Yeah, there's, a two, there's two executive producers, a woman named Jennifer Detman and myself. And uh, basically, we hired a staff to pitch us what they think they should put on and what we think we should put on. And, then we, and Jen and I and this guy, David, who's a senior producer, the three of us, we make the choice. Because Melinda and I were talking about mm-hmm. the fact that you you just seem to have a lot of really interesting God guests. Yeah, George, right? one of our favorites, I think, was uh, your interview, and a lot of people have said this, is with Tony Campolo. Yeah, Tony Campolo is really interesting. Uh, you know, I get two things with him. Right? A lot of pe- Most people loved him, 
But I find most of the people who love Tony Campolo weren't your traditional Christians. Right? Yeah, yeah. The ones who were the more traditional Christians, uh, you know, uh, you know, he did get scripture wrong a little bit. <laughs> he misquoted a bit. That's fine. But I mean, who gets scripture right anyway? And um, you know, and uh, listen to you. <laughs> but no, it's true. No one, no one gets it right all the time. Oh, man. So, uh, so Campolo was good. I like yeah. having. Did him. he spit on you? Did he spit on you? He spits a lot when he talks. Did right? he? I don't know. Oh, I think he did. I think he got he training. A bit. He got training in Stratford on spitting. Oh, right? really? yeah. I didn't know that. King Lear. I'm going to watch the tape back, like the like at the Gibby Shelter concert when uh, when Mick Jagger was watching the Hell's Angel story over and over again. I mean, no, I uh, we we do a lot of God talk on the show. I think the God thing is interesting, man. I uh, I'm fascinated by it. I was, as you know, doing your show. I was raised by uh, a fundamentalist Christian woman who is a lovely lady. So I mean, I was raised in. You know, you were talking about how you went to the 21 churches in your town or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My mom took us to all the churches. So, you know, we went to, you know, we know the difference between being a Hindu and a Sikh, you know, when we we know, you know, and taking us to Seventh-day Adventists. I think the only thing my mom didn't take us to um, were the two places. She never took us to a church of Satan, but they're not that organized. No, they aren't and, that um, organized. Very disorganized people. They're very dis- and she, yeah. she never took us to a Scientology place. Thank goodness for that, because I haven't got the time for that science no, fiction. No. So, that would be Mission Impossible, really. Yeah, exactly. Um, what turns you off about Christianity, or, or Christians? Which, I mean, which leaves a bad taste in your mouth, Christians or Christianity? Christians or Christianity? I mean, I mean, I don't know. If Christianity, if you, if by Christianity you mean the faith, I have no problem with the faith. If by Christianity you mean the um, the institution, I have lots of problems with the institution. Here's my thing, man, and this is and this is a complicated thing for me because I I don't have the answers, right? I just, I mean, I, I'm I, perhaps I'm a little too honest on the air about it. In that, I'm not. My point of view isn't that I have an answer. My point of view is that I don't know, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And I'm very comfortable not knowing. Um, I think it's kind of silly trying to understand an infinite universe with a finite brain. But I get why people do, because it's the John Lennon school, right? It's whatever gets you through the night. So I get it. Um, but for me, I, I, I treat a lot of religious organizations like lobby groups, because my, I'm of the opinion that if you stand anywhere, be it in a boardroom or on a pulpit, and you tell people how to vote, right, you're a lobby group. Yeah. And if you're a lobby group, you have to be treated as such. I think that in this country and in this continent especially we give a lot of religious organizations a free pass and they're not held to the standard that everybody else is held to and they should be and they absolutely let's should. i mean let's talk about fred phelps if fred phelps is an idiot is an ass yeah like in fact i don't like we were joking with this on the air the other day i don't have an enemy but i'm going to create one in fred phelps and the sad thing is is that fred phelps will never ever he's not self-aware enough i imagine to know what he's doing causes so much pain. No. Well, he's just, uh, there's no question, he's an absolute media whore. That's it. it. And I wish people would stop calling it a church, because it's not a church. He calls it uh, Westboro West Baptist Church. It's not a church. The Baptist people are freaking out that he's got the name associated there at all. It's, an, it's a family cult. Eighty percent of the church is his family. Now, how big's his family? Well, you know, we're talking, uh, you know, homeschooling backwoods kind of deal, yeah, there, right? Yeah, that's so. just it. You know, so and it's guys like Fred Phelps who, I mean, I don't even consider them Christians. I just kind of laugh them off and go, "You're just another wingnut," and there's a million of you. Um, the problem is, we live in a world where um, there's so many questions, and so many followers. Yeah, we're not even have leaders. We have way too many followers, and uh, they're all busy. You're just going, "Maybe Fred's got it right." I'm like, I'm pretty <laughs> sure Fred don't have it right, and if Fred doesn't have it right, I don't want to be with him in the end. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Hey, George, I have a question. I, I think about two years ago, I actually met you. We were waiting to interview Romeo Dallaire when he is his movie Shake Hands with the Devil I mean, came you were out. In the movie theater, right? Movie theater. That's right. I that. Interesting. I remember after I guess you were running off to interview Mr. Dallaire, you said to me. Hey, Melinda, because you'd found out that, you know, I was a Christian or evangelical oh, God, Christian. What did I say? No, you just, this was a good question, though. You <laughs> said, hey, Melinda, is your faith sustainable for our generation? 
And before I can answer, you had to run off. You said, is your faith, my Christian faith, sustainable for our generation? Yeah, that sounds like something I would say. Right. I think that's interesting. Why why those words, sustainability for our generation? Well, here's why. I think that the... I think that faith is always affected by the generation, always affected by the times, right? Hmm. And priorities are affected by the times. For many, many years, the, the idea of a bunch of Jesuits storming into Central and South America was what you did for the faith. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work in today's world. That, mm-hmm. that, that's over. Um, I, to me, it was specifically about, because at that time when we had met, the two big, I mean, the big debates going on with the rise of the new conservative government, who are not the Tories, by the way, but the new version of the Alliance Party, they were very much about um, gay rights, and, and abortion. Yeah, th- and, th- those are the only two issues we care about. Right, exactly. And, hey, hey. and that's what and that's what I mean. And that's what bugs me about the whole thing is that I, I would I would like to think that Christians are more complex than that than voting just on one nah, or two issues. Now we are a two trick pony, baby. Come that's on, it. Drew. That <laughs> is it. <laughs> but that's how it's presented, right? Yeah. And so right. I remember, and I think when I asked you, it's because we were dealing a lot with the gay marriage issue. Mm-hmm. And uh, and my mother and I have we disagree because I'm of the opinion I don't give I don't care what you do, man. Like it's not my, I don't I don't know mm-hmm. I, I'm just I don't I haven't got a problem with it, right? So I, I think that question was more opposed to the idea of, like, in 20 years, when it's okay, because there were churches who didn't let blacks in, right, yeah. mm-hmm, 60 right. years ago. And so that church could not sustain, you know, its relevance to a generation. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if the church was going to evolve. The message doesn't have to evolve. The message is the word, and the word is good, and that's fine. The word is whatever it is. Is, is the way the word is applied, is that going to evolve? Mm. And so when I, when, when I do with a lot of Christians is, will... Will that, you know, that will that application remain relevant? Because I listen. I hear the stats all the time about how many Christians people claim to be Christians in this country. Mm-hmm. That's not true. Those stats are wrong because people lie. Because you look at how people act, right? It's not what you say; it's what you do. Well, and eighty-seven percent of statistics are made up on the spot, right? Exactly. So <laughs> people just say what they think they should say. Yeah. Um, I, I meet a lot of like young Christians. I'm glad that we do a lot of the uh, the faith stuff on our show because Christians talk to me, and Muslims talk to me, and you know, and Hindus and Sikhs talk to me, and, and, and Bono talks to you. Yeah, and Bono, but we've even had the head of the Church of Satan on, right? The Black Pope, Peter Magus, Peter Gilmore, and we've also had uh, the head of the Canadian Church of Scientology on. Hmm. And that's oh, the whole point uh, of our show is that we. Like, on paper, Scientology sounds bananas. Like, on paper. Yeah. But on paper, Christianity has a virgin birth and... Uh, and oh, and listen. It all sounds bananas on paper, right? Heck yeah. And if it wasn't absurd sounding, you wouldn't require faith, and then it wouldn't be valid. Thank you very much. So, I'm, I, I'm not a Scientologist. I care. But you know what? Let the person have their voice. And uh, we are of the opinion on the hour, especially when it comes to the God stuff, um, or whoever, using God, of course, to describe all of whatever the spirituality is, yeah. that... Um, you, you don't need me to skew the interview with my point of view. You make up your own mind. Because how you get through the night is too important yeah. to deal with me. Now, I will be glib <laughs> about religious organizations when they do things I think are silly. Well, but, we're, you know, mm-hmm. but then again, that's just because I think that someone has to kind of be a watchdog, which you're doing the exact same thing. In fact, you get, I get a lot of heat from Christian groups. I don't get nearly the kind of heat that you do. Oh, yeah, I love it. Oh, Drew gets lots of heat. I love it. It's, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a gift, a really spiritual gift. Uh, we're talking to George Trombolopoulos from The Hour on CBC. Uh, Alice Cooper hugged you. Bono told you he was a fan. But Richard Dawkins snubbed you when you went in for the handshake. Uh, he wasn't even there, man, and he was kind of too busy admiring the applause of the crowd. And, and, and Hitchens interrupted you continuously. So, uh, so I'm thinking you must really love love the Jesus people because they they seem better than the better than. Well, no, the, Hitchens and I get along fine. He's been on a couple times. Um, and, and that was just Hitchens being playful. Dawkins didn't even see my hand come out. No, I know. You know, I which know. Is, but you're right. I'm no, kidding. look, man, Dawkins. Listen, here's the thing about Richard Dawkins. Dawkins could be Gandhi if he understood the human condition. 
Because what Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens are talking about now, dare I say what they're preaching, right, resonates with so many people. So many people who don't feel like they, I mean, they look at the Christian God, the Judeo-Christian God, they look at Islam, um, they look at all these different kinds of religions, and those religions don't, or faiths, don't speak to an enormous group of people. And Dawkins and Hitchens profoundly speak to people. And, but the problem is, a guy like Dawkins, he spends so much time at approaching it like a scientist that he, he hasn't learned the one thing that most uh, you know, good preachers learn, how to talk to people. And that's it. But I'll tell you, man, Dawkins, I was in Park City, Utah, of all places, and an American guy walked up to me who said he knows who I am because he was watching my Dawkins and Hitchens interview on YouTube. Huh. Because those guys, because there is this enormous group of people who don't believe in anything and want to be okay with that. But, George, don't you think, though, a lot of the rise of atheist fundamentalism comes from sort of the backlash of people's rage and outrage towards religion, Christianity? Well, it's institutional, institutional religion, exactly. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I suspect they do, but I don't think that's any. I don't think that's unique to to mm-hmm. just this. I mean, every, you know, we know what black is because of the color white. You know, you need you need things to you know you need contrast. To, right. Yeah, you need to right. be relative, right? Yeah. And I think that um, I think there's an enormous group of people who who grew up in a in a religious or a faith based home, and as time went on, just thought doesn't work for me, and so. I don't think it's it's as much an um, a response to uh, the George Bushes of the world, mm-hmm. who are the opposite of Christians, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not. A re- I don't think it's as much a response to them. I think what it is is it's it's a way to characterize their own feeling, and that's all it is. I mean, I I, I spend a lot of time separating the religious political leaders from the people, right? And I would say, you know what, that's the government and the people. But now I'm of the opinion that the people, right, they they deserve they get the government they deserve. And if you vote for people who say that they don't support gay rights, then that's you, right? That's you. And if you vote for people who say that they want faith-based funded funding for schools, then that's you. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I believe that I, have, I put less of the onus on the politicians and I put all of the onus on the, on the people. And that this is a world where the people need to start acting. So I, I don't think that George Bush turned people away from God. I think George Bush just kind of showed people what that version of Christianity is. Yeah, well said. You know. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I have to do a little plug. My pastor, Bruxy Cavey, he's a pastor like of the meeting us. Yeah, he actually sent you a book called The End of Religion. Yeah, I know, yeah. I Did you that. read it? Okay. And um, he, it was interesting, we just finished a series on our response as Jesus followers to the rise of atheism. And really interesting. If you ever get a chance to check it out on the podcast, you find it interesting. Anyway, so Bruxy wanted me to do a plug for you because he sent a book and said, uh, George, I wrote this book with you in mind. He loves you too, but he's got long hair and yeah. all, all these. But I just <laughs> I like Brooksy. Yes, yeah, so he actually he said that he said I, he had you in mind as he wrote this end of religion that it's not about religion and the institution and organized, um, you know, sort of corporation institution, but it is about the person of Jesus. Well, if, if like I I know that I mean it, I guess it depends on if you take the Bible literally or not, right? I mean I I sang those songs when I was a kid, the whole "Go tell it from the mountain," right? Oh, go sing it, sing go it, sing George. You know, but here's the thing. I, yeah, I'm not singing it. <laughs> you know, go. To, oh. that, but the idea is, I don't like that, right? Mm. I like the idea of uh, when two or more are gathered in my name. You know, exactly. Keep, keep, like, I, I, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Know, and I don't like this whole kind of um, manifest destiny sort of the, the crusades. I'm just over it for mm. me as a person. George, tell us about your your upbringing. What, uh, what do you want to know? But I have well, a great mom. Her name is Mary. She's a lovely lady. Uh, yeah, I mean, sister. yeah, I've had a, a, a really nice chat with your mom. She is. I, I mean, we only talked briefly on the phone. 
But I, I don't think there's anybody nicer than your mom. No, she's a pretty gentle little flower. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my mother's a missionary. That's sweet. You know, but, uh, no, I love my mom. My mother, um, <laughs> you know what she did? What is wrong with you, man? Nah, Can you I'm not breathe? I'm fighting a cold. I'm fighting a cold. Holy cow. You know it is. And you don't even smoke, so. I don't even smoke. I probably should. <laughs> Although, last night I thought about it just for a second. So <laughs> only because I would have looked cool. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 you need help with that big guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, my mother. My mother's like, uh, you know, I was raised in a situation like a lot of people, right? A single mom. And uh, who... Uh, my dad was uh, not just not a good father. He just wasn't around. He took off when I was a kid, and he was just gone. So I think I've talked to my dad maybe like four or five times in 25 years. I don't know my dad. Um, but my mother and my uncle and my grandmother I mean, and my sister, like that's, I mean, you know, my aunt, that little family, that, that was my unit. So my mother, uh, you know, but I think my mother was always religious. Right? When, she was, when she was a Catholic, the joke that we say, Drew and Linda, is that we used to be a Catholic, and then my mother found God. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's how I kind of look at it. Um, you know how much hate mail I'm going to get again? Thank you very much today. <laughs> Dude, we're getting in line. The Catholic League are all up in my grill. Um, but... Uh, no, my mother is just, uh, you know, my mother, like, this is the thing, and here's my problem. Every time I see a, a group of, you know, organized Christians doing stuff that just burns me, <laughs> I think to myself, but I've seen it work in my mom, right? Mm -hmm. My mother, to me, is what a Christian should be, and that she takes her faith and applies it by helping people. It's her social gospel. Yeah. It's what mm -hmm. Tommy Douglas was. He was a politician. Imagine a politician who was a pastor who was a left-winger. Imagine that. Whoa. And, but it's, the, it's their way to apply the social gospel that's not unlike what, what bono feels and um so to my mother i go oh, you know my mother you know I go, eh, it works in you <laughs> so yeah. she's a good example do you george do you think back much on that day when you're about seven having that bowl of cereal and your dad split uh not really no i mean i think about it sure i'm aware of it um i i think more when i look back in retrospect when i try to figure out you know when you go through your own self-analysis and you figure out why you are the way you are i mean i'm you know i'm 35 years old i have no interest in getting married or having kids i'm sure that has something to do with that sure um i mean i don't know if it does or not but i'm sure it does um i don't really think that much about it i'm, I'm lucky like I'm, I'm lucky in that uh, I'm, I'm a big believer in if the marriage isn't working leave i'm a huge believer i don't believe in this this uh, old school family you know or set up where there's two parents i don't care i had my mother my uncle my grandmother my aunt her husband like my sister we're fine i remember when i that the whole dan quail crap was going on about uh Murphy Brown and her baby, right? Oh, yeah. And he talked about broken homes on TV, and I looked at my mom saying, are we a broken home? She goes, I feel fine. <laughs> if my, in fact, if my dad had stayed, I would have turned out much worse. Probably. You'd be working at Ford in Oakville. Exactly. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with yeah, working at Ford in Oakville. No, but do you, I mean, that means like doing manual labor. Are you out of your yeah. mind? Yeah. I'm not doing that. He's got uh, soft hands. How, uh, oh, would you stop with that? <laughs> She's just a flirt. A did I touch you? When you asked me that question, George, did you touch me? <laughs> if, if, listen, if I did, it would have been before I found out you were a woman of God. Yes. Yeah, right? and, and, you were a, you're a bride of Christ. Uh, you're a bride of Christ. Uh, I wouldn't listen. want to get, oh, get in the way no, of that. Oh, no, brother. <laughs> hey, um, Natasha, what's she doing? My sister? Yeah. She's working. She's, you know, she's, got, she's a sister manager at a place she works at. Um, she's got a great son, and she's funny as hell. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> okay. All right, let me just write that down. Uh, people who work for you, George, they work with you. I mean, even just the plebs who've met you, uh, they all say the same thing. That you're an incredibly nice guy with a big heart. Well, except Jim Richards. Jim Richards took the mickey out of you the other day. <laughs> he well, you know, Jim is the Beatles, and I try to be Oasis to his Beatles. Jim is, <laughs> it's true, I mean, you were on Jim Richards' show, right? And I don't know, you probably know this because you've done your research, but Jim is my biggest influence in my career. How did you I know I was on Jim Richards' show? How do I know? Yeah. Oh, I know you were on. Okay, Are you kidding me? You're scaring me. I didn't know you were on Tim's show, and I know that you talked about my mother on that show, and I know that you said that I was going to be on your show. I'm up on this stuff, you know. You so, um, but no, Jim is my Jim's one of my best friends. Jim is the guy that I will I will never be as good on the air as Jim is. I really stinking like him. He's amazing, man. Yeah, 
He's amazing. Yeah, I really like him. But are you so? Are you hoping that you can be as nice as your mom, minus all the religious confines? <laughs> I don't think anybody will be as nice as my mom. I'm just trying to make sure that I, I if I, if I know for my mom, my mom wanted two things out of this world, right? Mostly not one thing. She wanted me to go to heaven, right? And I don't know if she's going to get that. So at the end of the day, I just want my mom to know that you know that I'm okay. Which she'll and like any good Christian parent will never think you're okay unless you're a Christian, right? So if I can just you know make my mom be at ease that's all i really need you know faith played a huge part you know in our in our home because i mean in that i saw it play out in my mother's actions right? yeah 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 so it was actions and words i mean you know, i mean there is a downside to it and i think i think especially with christians it is a very fear-based religion you know and there's a lot of terrifying stuff and a lot of rules and i'm like I, i'm 14 years old i can barely understand what my body's going through and i'm going to understand this yeah mm-hmm. you know that's crazy i'm going to understand the i remember being at a bible school and one of the uh, the Bible teachers, whatever the guy, he was a great guy, great guy, telling me I'm going to hell, I'm going to hell, and I thought I'm 11. That's Wrong nice. approach. That's nice, eh? Mm-hmm. Wrong. Now he meant well. I know why he did it. And years later, I get it. But I remember at that time going, "You're saying I'm going to hell? Well, so is ACDC, and I like the way ACDC <laughs> says it better." <laughs> you know? Oh man. Well, your mom let me know something that I I want to tell our listeners right now because this it's, is this is just proving what kind of a big heart you have. Tread carefully, young yeah. man, before you say too much. Okay. You sponsor ten children with, with compassion. Do I? Yeah. yeah, I do. Yeah, but compassion. Oh, listen. I mean, I know compassion is a sponsor. I get it. I I, I do do that, but. And lots of people do. I mean, I, like, I look for a, a whole bunch of uh, No, George, uh, come on. There's not very many people that sponsor 10 kids mm-hmm. with compassion. And you're not even a Jesus guy, and that's like a Jesus organization. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's like you're trying to buy your way in or something. No, no, no. Listen, I, I'm aware that you can't buy. Uh, <laughs> there is a place. Um, no, here's my thing, man. The compassion thing, I grew up, my mother was a big fan of it, right? So I kind of, I took my mother's lead. D- don't get me wrong. I look long and hard and look long and hard for, for aid organizations that don't preach the gospel. Because right. I, I do have a problem with, with uh, Bibles for food, right? I have a problem with oh, that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The bait and switch is just... Yeah, yeah, I, have a, yeah. I don't like that, right? No, that's it's wrong. Just, so I... Okay. I mean, I, did, I do the compassion thing because I, I kind of grew up doing that, so I'm, I, I, I'm fine with it. But I don't think I do the compassion thing for God. I do it so they can eat, right? And that, to me, is way more important. Okay, George, but i got to ask you, what is your spiritual present today? Today? Yeah. Uh, well, why don't you ask him an easy question? I like the Church of Aretha Franklin. How does that yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what do you believe? I don't know. I don't know. Really, eh? Yeah. I I, I sort of let myself go to a point where I don't need to know any answers right now. I don't care. Um, So you're an an apathetic uh, agnostic? No, I don't think I'm apathetic. Maybe I am apathetic. But agnostic? No, I don't know that. I mean, I don't think there's a label. You don't like Mm -hmm. the label? You're so postmodern, man. You're postmodern. You don't want no thinking label. I mean, how can you apply a label to how you feel? Right? I mean, unless you say I'm angry. And I'm more complex than that. I mean, there's days when I look around and I go, look, there's nothing when you die. There's nothing. Yeah. There's no way. Mm-hmm. Because I look at the world and, and look at the actual, the, the, the scientific makeup of the world, and, I, and you go, look, all this is so <clears throat> mathematical. Mm-hmm. How can there all of a sudden be this bizarre thing called a soul? Right? So that's one day I'm like that. Then another day I'm like, ah, but you know, maybe there is something. Sure. Then I realize it doesn't matter. It's like, to me, if it becomes apparent to me, then that's what I'll be. But in the meantime, I'm on the journey. Yeah, and, but, I, and wherever I end up, I end up. What I don't need to do is call myself something before mm-hmm. I'm willing to commit to what it is. What do you think of Jesus? Uh, the dude that lived a long time ago? Yeah. Uh, what do you think of him? Yeah. I think he's an interesting folklore character. I think he's a, I think he's a powerful symbol. I think he has been responsible for the best and the worst things about this world. You know, and, not, and not through any of his doing. Mm-hmm. I think that all the people who talk about Jesus, I mean, like those, those, those uh, what did you call them in the, the TV God, the God on TV thing? The what? What did you the, call, what do you call those, the, the televangelists? 
Whack jobs? Yeah. You know, <laughs> Whack is... All those people who I, I watched, especially when I spent a lot of time in the States, those fundamentalist, you know, televangelist guys, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. those are all the Pharisees that would have thrown them out in the first place. I absolutely agree. You know, and so I, mm-hmm. I, my opinion of him is, it is, I mean, I, I don't know him, clearly. I haven't met him. But uh, from what I read, <laughs> he's quite a character. <laughs> um, you probably would go to the church of whatever gets you through the night, I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah. these days, yeah. That's your thing. Uh, he typically goes to bed sometime between 2 and 5 after spending hours watching hockey, returning emails, and listening to his iPod, and he's in the office by 9 and often doesn't get around to eating until 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Who told you that? I just read that somewhere. I don't have a balanced life, and I don't want one. I need to be erratic. I need to be driven by high highs and low lows. I want emotional range in my life. I don't want my life to be easy. You know what people say. I just want a good life. If I just don't want a, a good life, what is that? I, I, I want to feel things. The most important lyric for me is Bob Dylan's He's Not Busy Being Born. He's busy dying. George, what the heck is driving you so hard? I mean, it's like you're on that massive merry-go-round at the Woodbine Center where you used to work. Yeah, where you But someone put a, a Binford 3500 on the thing, you know, and you're spinning around like nuts. <laughs> no, here's the thing. I, I want to feel. That's it. And it is in this world, I believe, people go to great lengths to numb their senses. And We're all medicating. Right. Or, but they're medicating with either uh, with ideology, they're medicating with medicine, right? It doesn't matter what it is. People are medicating, and they're putting themselves into a, into a middle ground. Mm. I don't, if I do that, I'm not going to get those high highs. But I, I'm, I grant that I, if I get the high highs, I need to take the low lows. I'm okay with that. I don't need the kind of balance. I don't want, you know, the, 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 the let's build a life together and settle down and wait till we die and then meet up again in heaven. Like, Really? I want to kind of experience this. I mean, if, if, look, if there is a God, right, and, and, and to a lot of people listening, there's a God, right, why would you not want to experience this world? If you were given mm-hmm. this world, it, my mother taught me this all the time, your world, she said, is a mansion. Don't just use two rooms. Use them all. Yeah, well, then, and I, I'm pretty sure yeah. Jesus said something like, I came so you could have life abundantly. Exactly. So, right. and, and again, I don't understand why, I mean, churches generally, you know, preach why it's okay to be poor because, you know, you have your, your, your gifts in heaven and all that. Like, live your life, enjoy your life. <laughs> but as far as what drives you, man, <laughs> I, I, like, I, I know it's not the coffee because you don't do that. I know it's not the drugs because you don't do that. It's probably the big honking case of guru you drink every day. They only drink one or two. Oh, whatever, <laughs> whatever. No, on New Year's Eve, I'll drink five, but that's it. <laughs> but is there any chance, now here I get all Dr. Phil on you here. Is there any chance you're still trying to press the absent dad? No. Definitely not. I, I, like, I mean, I'm, what I'm driven by is, uh, is, is, is it's passion. This isn't like, I'm not going, I'm not trying to get somewhere, right? There's no, there's no, there's nothing I'm trying to replace. Yeah. There's nothing I'm trying to fill. It's what it is, is that I, like, I only know how to do this one thing, right? Which is I know how to sort of spend time with people and, and kind of get into them. That's what I know how to do. I don't have to do anything else. I can barely skate. So if, <laughs> if this is what I do, and this is what brings me joy, then I'm just going to do it all the time. Like, I'm here in Los Angeles, and I'm, after this interview's done, I'm going to go have a couple of work meetings, and I can't wait to get back on the air to do the show. Um, it's not a drive. It's not an ambition. It's not a, even a goal. It's, it's, I don't live my life for, for five years from now. I don't live my life for the afterlife, and I don't live my life for the weekend. I live my life for three in the afternoon on a Wednesday. Am I getting the most out of my life at 3 in the afternoon on a Wednesday? I don't always get it right. Like I, There's lots of times I crash and I just can't seem to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, my, my goal, let me put it, that's a long, complex way of saying my goal isn't to be happy, guys, because I think happy is an artifice. It's not real. My goal is to be in some level of peace. And I think I can acquire that 
by being in places I want to be. Here's another uh, George Strombolopoulos quote. I'll admit that I don't sleep or eat very well. You know, it's funny. I was with the Stone Temple Pilots for Much Music, and they were doing a show in Austin, Texas. I went to visit the lead singer, and they had a huge plate of pasta. I looked behind them, and uh, they had a traveling chef with them. How cool is that? And a couple things about that quote. Remember when I was on a play with the Stone Temple Pilots one time, I didn't know who they were at all, <laughs> right? And I'm reading the paper, and in this paper, there's this picture of this lead singer from a band called the Stone Temple Pilots, and how his life is wasting away, and he's a real, you know, he's just a wasted or whatever it is, and he's real rebellious. And I look at the picture, and I look at the guy beside me, I look at the picture, I said, is this you? <laughs> So that's my Stone Temple Pilot story. But how did he answer, how did he answer that? He, with a grunt, basically. <laughs> so, but have you ever had one of those moments where you were just so scared that that you actually cried out to God? Because I mean, this guy has had countless wake-up calls. The lead singer from the Stone Temple Pilots, uh, countless wake-up calls in his life. Have you ever had one of those moments where you were just so scared you actually cried out to God? Yeah, I'm sure I did. I'm just not sure that I. I mean, I'm not sure that I said it because I believed it, or I'm sorry, I said it because it's just it's repetition, right? Right. Um, I could still recite half the Catholic Mass, which to me is you know less interesting than a funeral. It's so boring in terms of its tone. Yeah. Um, but the yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I, have, I don't have the kinds of wake up calls that Scott that I don't, I don't have a drug or, or alcohol thing, right? I, I don't what about when you wiped out in your bike? No, it's so fast, man. Like the motorcycle crash, well, here, here's a, here, let me walk you through, and most motorcyclists will tell you this. There is no light at the end of the tunnel that they talk about. There is no, oh, my goodness, I'm going to die. It's too quick. So next thing you know, you're up, boom, then you're down. And it's so fast, you, you, you go through the checklist. Number one, am I alive? Number two, can I feel my legs? That's it. <laughs> Once you can feel your legs, right, you go, okay, I'm not paralyzed. Then you're like, okay, how much am I bleeding? Okay, I'm bleeding a little bit. Can, am I, all right, am I good? Yeah. That, that's, that's the checklist. So I, did, I didn't cry out to God for, the, for that. Um, I, I don't even know, man, about, about those rock bottom, I mean, those rock bottom moments. I put on a good record, <laughs> which may be, which may be, um, medicating. Yeah, it may be, but it may be God speaking through an artist, right? It may uh, be, it may be okay. somebody else, maybe the devil speaking through an artist. Uh, Robert Johnson is, um, you know, a, a man of God running away from God. Yeah. You know, Bono once told me, he said, he said that all good music's about running to God or running, or running from, from God. God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't think that's, exactly true but i think it's 80 percent true why'd you stop drinking 13 years ago i ah, just because the lifestyle thing i mean i just sort of look around the the neighborhood that i was in and uh i you know it's like i didn't do very much of it uh of any of that stuff but uh certain people in my life did and i felt like i was enabling them if i said yeah. to them hey you should slow down and i'm taking a swig just because i didn't have a problem with it i was still participating in their in their demise well, you know a couple people died and blah 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 and then i just kind of went i don't really need it the truth is man i stopped drinking and that whole lifestyle just to get a bit of a break, because I'm kind of an all-or-none guy, so it was just a bit of a break so I could focus on work and um, not go to a bar and, you know, just kind of clean up a little, um, and then uh, the only the only reason I don't drink now is because I'm a guy and I'm on a streak. That's it. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I'm on a streak. So, I, I mean, and if the streak ever breaks, then it breaks, but at this point, it's just I don't want to break the streak. Are you still doing the Jesus movie? Uh, no, we put the Jesus movie on hold because Bill Maher started a Jesus movie, a very different movie um, than I wanted to do. I actually got a lot of uh, got a lot of interest down in the states for the Jesus movie, um, but I don't know if we're going to do it. The, the truth is, uh, the rise. You know, we, you know, we're talking about the rise of atheism. There's no rise of atheism, right? There's just more people owning up to it. The rise yeah. of, um, of of the sort of militant Christianity mm-hmm. has kind of turned me off the subject, and I'm like, this is boring. Mm-hmm. Let me do another. Let me do another story about. 
who, the definition of God. Like, I'm, it's boring. Everybody does it. You, now. you, George, are a walking spiritual anomaly. You really are. I mean, you're so interested in the light and yet so attracted to the dark side, right? I mean, just think about your mom tearing down the posters. Yeah. You know, w- watching Hilarious House of Frankenstein, which is not dark. That was classic stuff, man. That was just unbelievable. I remember seeing horror movies when I was four years old. Oh, and this I was. Is who I am. But this is the whole thing, right? It's part nature and it's part nurture. I was clearly born with a chemistry, right, that likes this stuff. Like, I was clearly born to like the the extreme other side. Like, I don't know if it's the dark, but the stuff, that the, the place where the light hasn't got yet, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, this, I, didn't, I didn't nurture it on my own. This is just who I am, right? I have always been this guy. My mother's been calling me Johnny Cash since I was 11 <laughs> because I've been wearing black. Thought, you know? it might, thought it might because you, you were struggling with the ring of fire or something. <laughs> well, you know, a bit of that too, probably. Um, but... Uh, so, so to me, I don't even know, man, this light-dark thing, I don't know. Like, I am a spiritual anomaly. I think I'm just my mother's son, right? Mm-hmm. I'm my mother's son in that she has infused a lot of really great lessons in me mm-hmm. that I try to apply. I don't always apply them with the same, for the same reasons that my mother applied them, but I still think that, the, you know, like I don't walk to the, you know, how do I say? I'm not walking to the store to pick up the same thing that she's picking up. No, you're owning your own walk. But I'm walking to the store because yeah. it's the best route. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so to me, um, you know, the God thing is weird to me. I, I don't get it. Like, I mean, me and my best friend Bob and you know, Jim, we talk about it. We do talk about God all the time, and it's just it's just a funny thing as we get older because we've been having these discussions since we were 23, right? <laughs> and now that we're in our mid to late 30s, yeah. um, and some of us are a little bit older, it's, it's a funny conversation to have because, and it's to a T, right? You either go all the way Christian or you start to fade. There's a lot of people who are Christians who just, they can't buy it. And it's, and it's what it goes back to what, what I was talking about with you and, mm-hmm. and, the, and the generation and sustaining the faith, right? It's over time, you know, it's over time going, well, why can't gay people marry? Really? Okay, if this is, I don't, really, why can't they marry? Really? So it's, and that's a little thing, but that's the public one. Yeah, and you know, I think that's sad because for a lot of us, George, I mean, I'm I'm 34, you know, I mean, you're 34. I know. You look so young. Oh, thank you. Hey, what about me? <laughs> well, Drew, you uh, you look like Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's I think, a good thing. <laughs> George, I think the thing for us is that I mean, you know, I've I've been brought up Christian, you know, my whole life, but I think only now am I discovering that, um, I think the religion and what Christianity has done, you know, uh, in Canada and how it's looked is horrible, and we're trying to swing the other way to say. Well, have you ever spent time both. away from it? Yes. Um, yeah, I actually have. I had my my time, my sowing my wild oats time. Absolutely. Wait, and, but you just genuinely didn't believe. Um, you know what? I I think I always did, but I didn't want to. Yeah. You know, like I had that that tension in me all the time while I was like doing doing the scene, and you know, I hung out in Toronto a lot and Chris Shepard and all that stuff. But I think <laughs> in the city of love. Shepard's um, awesome. Yeah, and now I, it's called the city of the gun. It's different. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But I think that's that's the tension for us because we're going, you know, we don't like what the church looks like and represents, you know, the issues about abortion and, and gay rights and it's always those issues versus, you know, something that's really authentic and real and fluid, you know? Remember the Sloan lyric from that band Sloan? It's not the band I hate, it's the fans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And I think that that is applied oftentimes to a lot of churches. Sure. It's yeah. it's not God yeah. that we hate, it's his fan club. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And exactly. it's not the people who are the members, it's the people who run it. You know, and this Bruxy guy you guys are rattling on about. you got to read the book. Have you read the book? Okay. Stop no, with the book already. i got a million Christian books. Every Christian exactly. Every, book. Can you imagine how much junk this guy gets I'm into? I'm trying to pitch it to him, too. <laughs> yeah. Christian bumper stickers and what would Jesus do bracelets and all sorts the of crap. We're going the other way, man. 
we're like, what would Joan Jett do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not to me, the, I know what Jesus would do. It's written down. I don't know what Joan Jett would do. <laughs> Um, but like uh, Brux goes on about, he says stuff like, uh, you know, sure, we don't agree with the with the maybe the homosexual thing, okay, but we need to spend ninety uh, percent of our time loving on them and maybe ten percent of our time protesting, and we got it the other way around, really. Ten percent, even ten percent. Yeah. Like, pro- why? Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't like. like and I, I don't like. I don't. I don't get it when 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 Christianity is anything other than a faith. Hmm. I don't I, like. Mm-hmm. And I'm, this is what I, I don't like. Re- like ten percent, I can. In the abortion debate, right, no matter where you stand, you can, if you're a reasonable human being, you can be very strong in your position, but you can easily see the other person's point of view. Yes. If you're a Christian, or not even a Christian, if you're, if you're a pro-lifer, which I think is a bad term, if you're um, against abortion, you can understand why people are for abortion. If you are for abortion, you can understand why people are against abortion. You can disagree, but you can understand it. Mm-hmm. There is nothing, nothing but one verse amongst the sea of verses, one tiny verse, that says you shouldn't be gay, or in that way. Amongst it also says you shouldn't cut your beard. You shouldn't mix certain kinds of fibers. And you shouldn't have a tattoo. You have a tattoo. You're talking, about, you're talking about the Old Testament stuff, but there is there is a Romans one thing that talks about it as well. And I, I had uh, not, I almost said Fred Phelps. Well, I did have Fred Phelps on the show, which was just nuts, almost as nuts as having Tom Harper on the show. Do you, but, have, do you ever have Ted Haggard on your show? Uh, no, I, I had, didn't. I had Pastor uh, Method Man as on my show. No, you, you watched it again. He was on our show. Well, how long ago was that? It was, a, bef- uh, it was while he was sleeping with the dude oh, before come on. he was caught with him. Really? Yeah. i got to check that out. Wow, wow. Anyway, listen, we got, we got to let you go. I uh, just want to let you know that I, you're interesting. I like you. I don't like many people. You're one of them. Uh, there's a lot of connections here. I grew up in the funeral business, and you wanted to be a funeral director. Yeah. If you, ever, you grew up in the funeral business? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up in uh, Richmond Hill on Young Street. Marshall, Wait, your, Marshall your folks funeral. owned a funeral home? Yeah, I grew up. I was upstairs. Dude, I have, a, I have an idea for a chain of funeral homes that will blow your mind. We should do it. Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, for real. I have, I've been thinking for two years I've been working on this plan. Of a new kind of funeral home. <laughs> no way. Is for it real? Is there drive-through visiting? Kinda. <gasps> it's 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 uh, funeral homes for the for today. Because the only two days in your life when you have no control is the day you're married and the day you're buried, <laughs> right? And I don't understand why funerals always have the per- lavender curtains and the awful music and mm-hmm. the somber crap. I want a funeral to match my life. <laughs> so we're talking we're talking party funeral homes. Kind of. That's interesting. Well, look, if you'd ever like a tour, happy to uh, happy to bring up. Actually, one guy. Remember Hank Elisic? Yeah, of course I do. Yeah. Well, Hank and I used to kick footballs together. I was a punter back in the day. Were and you a CFL punter? Yeah. Well, I didn't quite make the show. I had NFL and CFL tryouts, uh, but I sucked. So who did you try out with in the NFL? Uh, it was an open tryout for all the kickers down in Reno, where they had all the scouts come, and nice. I got I got blown away by Louis Aguiar. So oh, he did all right. Yeah, but anyway, so Hank wanted a tour, so Hank uh, and he was like, "Okay, let's bring a bucket of chicken." I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> what is wrong with you, man?" He's just anyway. So look, if you had to choose between the Muppets and the hilarious House of Frankenstein right now, oh, hilarious House without a doubt. Yeah, it yeah, was cool. I mean, because uh, well, for a couple of reasons, number one, Vincent Price, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and uh, and also uh, Wolfman Jackman played records. I like, Although the Muppets had Alice Cooper on, oh, and when it? I saw him sing Welcome to My Nightmare when I was a kid... <laughs> was that not scary? It freaked me out! <laughs> <laughs> but I also felt like I found a kindred spirit. You have no idea how much, how complicated it was for me when I finally talked to Alice Cooper, and he, because he's become such a, a Christian now, yeah, yeah. that he sounds like my mom. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, I watched you kill people on stage, you were awesome, <laughs> I sound like my mom! And my mom's awesome, but differently awesome, what the hell? It's 
Not lie. I did not like it one bit. I can hear your mom. I can hear your mom right now saying, "See, see, Alice Cooper's a Christian." Totally. But then I get to my mom. I used to laugh because she used to rip my Slayer posters off the wall and my Iron Maiden. My mother stole an Iron Maiden flag for me live after death. To this day, I'm 35, man. To this day, she denies doing it, oh. and I know she took it. And um, and, the, and the funny thing is, is that I was interviewing Iron Maiden and Slayer within a week of each other. Yeah. And I called my mom and I laughed and went, "Huh? You see? Huh? This is paying my mortgage." <laughs> oh my goodness. I know my mom's probably you know, panicking. Dude, on the air I made a joke last week yeah. that I had syphilis. Oh no. It was a joke. Oh no. And oh, my no. mother called me, Do you have syphilis? <laughs> I'm not laughing at my mom. I'm laughing with her. So I have to be careful what I say to my mom because she's such a sweetheart. She doesn't think that. How how many gray hairs have you given that woman? (laughs) Seriously. They're all mine. Unbelievable. You know Coop's coming up on the show a little bit later, right? Yeah, is right. Yeah, he's coming Mm -hmm. at 3.30, Alice Cooper, on the show, folks. He's a great guy, man. He's a great guy. He's smart as hell. And he, um, he, 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 he listened to his radio show. Uh, yeah. His radio show is great, telling stories. All I love it. Okay, now, have uh, you speaking of radio shows? Oh, we got to get rid of you here. Um, sorry, we need to let you go. Uh, Randy Bachman, Vinyl Tap. Yep. Have you listened to that? No. Oh, oh the CBC show? Yeah. yeah totally, yeah. My goodness, does that guy know a lot? Yeah, especially in this world, man, where you, all you're looking for are great insider stories. That 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 band was everywhere. Yeah. All right, we'll leave you with this. I have to live with myself, so I have to be fit for myself to know. I have to sit with the setting sun and not hate myself for the things I've done. I want, as the days go by, to be able to look the world straight in the eye. That's my mother brainwashing me as a kid, <laughs> but in a good way. Hey, look at the bright side. My mother and all the whole church she took wasn't it wasn't Jonestown. So what the hell? <laughs> exactly. Hey, George, it has been an absolute yeah. blast chatting with you, man. I still can't believe how many people actually just love you. They love yeah, you. Yeah, George, this was great, and it was good to finally sort of talk with you about the question you asked me so many years ago, no, or no two problem. years ago. It was a pleasure to be on. I'll come on anytime. And if you guys ever have time, you want to come down and check out the TV show, let me know. And to all your listeners, I know you're like, you got tons. Um, come down and be in the audience. Hang out. Give me yeah. a hard time. It's cool. Listen, say hi to Snake and uh, Minnow, will you? Oh, the two cats. You want them? I'm trying to get rid of them. Do you want them? <laughs> no, thanks. Okay. Okay, fly safe home. Thanks. Bye, guys. Okay, See you, George. Bye. Bye-bye. George Strombolopoulos on the Drew Marshall Show. How good was that, huh? That was awesome. That was great. He's a good guy. Mm-hmm. I like him. He shoots straight. Folks, he's not on the same team as many of us, uh, but this is what this show is all about, really. We want to uh, try to get everyone's slice on life. A short break. We'll be right back with more of the Drew Marshall Show. And coming up, Mr. Alice Cooper. We'll be right back. Like what you've heard? Listen again online at drewmarshall.ca.